I'm Nicole Nalepa, and you're listening to Mommyhood Unscripted, real talk about moms for moms. Hey, everyone. Today's episode is all about college affordability. Sounds laughable, right? But it's actually a thing. There are resources out there that can help you and your children afford their schooling, their higher ed. It's really hard to think about your children taking on all of this debt, right, to continue their education if that's the path that they're going to go. However, we are talking to an expert today who knows everything, all the ins and outs of this topic will put your mind at ease and hopefully your children's mind at ease as well as they're starting to tackle on college uh, forms, tuition forms and scholarships and the whole the whole gamut. Her name is Jennifer Finetti, and she is the director of student advocacy at Scholarship Owl. And basically her role is to connect current and future college students with the financial resources that they need so they can succeed in higher ed and hopefully succeed without incurring as much debt. So without further ado, Jennifer, thanks for joining us on Mommyhood Unscripted. Thank you so much for having me. So the big question you know, when should we start preparing for our children's higher education? You know, I really recommend that parents start when their kids are young and in school early in elementary school, uh, preparing not just financially, but preparing their child for the idea that they will be continuing on beyond high school, whether that be to a university or, or community college or trade school. You just really want to set the expectation for your child that high, that high school is not the end, that there are other things you need to do to begin your career. And then as far as saving, of course, the earlier you start saving, the better for your child. So what would you recommend in savings? Is there like a formula that we can look up or is there a one size fits all model? I know obviously school keeps getting more expensive um, every year. (laughs) It can be difficult to predict that, you know, I mean, you're right. The cost of college does continue to increase every year. Um, I'd like to think that at some point we're going to have a reckoning and that there'll be a cap rather than it just continuing to increase. But to give you an idea right now, the average cost of a four-year institution that's an in-state public university is going to be about 25000 a year right now. So that means that for each child, that will be a cost of about $100,000 right now. And of course, if you're going to consider a private or out-of-state school, the cost can be even higher. So, um, you know, the good news, though, is that there are a lot of ways that students themselves can help contribute to the cost of their education by earning scholarships and getting federal and state grants and also by working while in high school and in college. So is it true that there is a lot of money that our students can get their hands on for school? Absolutely. You know, there are so many scholarships that are available, and I really encourage students to start applying for them in their junior year of high school all the way up until they finish their education. Uh, Because just because you get scholarships maybe for your freshman year of college doesn't mean you can't get more for every single year. Just like uh, students need to submit the FAFSA every year when they're going to be in college, they should be applying for scholarships all the time, you know, year round. Um, I encourage students to apply for three scholarships per week if possible. I know that's not always going to be possible, but if they can aim for that and get close to that, they're really going to get a lot of scholarships for college. And where do these scholarship searches start? Is it, 
you know, is there one website that can connect you to different things? Do you just search on Google? You know, I think I, I remember applying for a scholarship and it was the land conservation in our town. You know, I mean, obviously I love the environment and stuff and I did a little bit of community service pertinent to, you know, like cleaning up the river, but I, I applied anyways. And who knew that that money was there? Yeah, you know, there are scholarships from all different kinds of sources. You know, a lot of students start with Googling. It's totally understandable. Uh, But what can happen with Google is you can get so overwhelmed by the search results that a lot of students kind of give up, right? Because it's so hard to do that search result, click on a link, discover there's a link to maybe 50 scholarships on that page. And then you have to click and view each one individually, find out if it's currently active or if it's expired, find out if you're eligible, find out if you're interested. There's just a lot of that sort of trial and error when you're Googling for scholarships. So, you know, while some students do that, it might not be the most efficient way to find scholarships. Um, There are websites that cater specifically to students looking for scholarships. Scholarshipall.com is certainly one that I recommend. Of course, that's where I'm from. Uh, But what's great about Scholarship Owl is we use artificial intelligence and machine learning to ensure that students' matches are more relevant to them and also to help them apply for the right scholarships that are going to be the best fit for them so that students can actually boost their chances of winning. Um, So that's one great source. And of course, students should also apply for scholarships offered by the universities they're applying to or currently attending. And they should also apply for local scholarships in your community, like what you suggested, right? So um, a student who perhaps is, let's say, a high school senior might remember that they were part of their local Little League chapter when they were young, and they might contact that local chapter and say, hey, do you offer scholarships? Um, it's amazing how many of these organizations that students were involved in earlier in life might actually have scholarships available that they didn't know about when they were children. Um, also, they can have their parents ask about scholarships that their employers offer for children of employees. So there's all different kinds of tactics that students can use to really find um, narrowly focused scholarships that they're actually really eligible for. Wow. So you're talking about, you know, something that, you know, I, for example, I may have done in elementary school, there may be a scholarship for that, even though I didn't continue with it, you know, through the rest of my schooling. Exactly. Yes. So what, what do you recommend, you know, as a parent when, you know, sophomore year, junior year, really sitting down with your child and kind of mapping out, you know, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How are we going to tackle this? You know, the best time to start that conversation, honestly, is when your child is starting high school. Um, And I really recommend that parents actually be honest with their kids and say, you know, here's what we have saved so far for you. Here's what we project we're going to have by the time you graduate high school. And here is what we really need you to be able to come up with to help support your own education. Um, Sometimes parents are uncomfortable having those conversations with their kids. They might not want to reveal their financial position. Uh, because it can be very uncomfortable for parents who have not been able to save a lot of money towards their child's education. And let's face it, you know, with inflation and the Great Recession, all the things that have happened in the last 15 years or so, there are a lot of families that do not have the savings that they hoped they would have. Um, But if you don't have that conversation with your child, that can be very surprising for them. And they can be scrambling kind of at the end of their high school education, trying to make up the funds. So it's really important that you're honest with your kids 
in presented as a partnership, you know, when your child is 18, they're technically an adult, they should be contributing to their education. And of course, parents can help where they can, but they shouldn't feel that the burden is entirely shoulders shouldered by the parents. Right, absolutely. And you know, it is such an exciting time when you're looking at the next step and the next stage in life, if, if that is, you know, um, the direction that you want to go. And you know, your head could kind of be up in the clouds a little bit while your parents are kind of giving you more of the reality, right, financially of what you have to work with. So um, what other kinds of finance options are immediately available for students in those situations and undergrad students? You know, what the type of financing that is immediately available, um, and it can be very attractive to students, is taking out student loans. Um, This may not be the best solution for them, but it's something that is immediately available because the federal government does allow students to take out up to $5,500 in student loans their freshman year, $6,500 their sophomore year, and $7,500 each for junior and senior year. Um, This is money that they are automatically eligible for if they submit the FAFSA, and they don't have to do anything other than, you know, complete the application and the funds are automatically going to be given if they do that. So it can be very attractive because it's very low effort, Mm -hmm. but the reward is not going to be really what they think it is. Yes, it will help them go to college, but then when they graduate, they're going to have thousands of dollars in debt that they have to repay. Um, And what a lot of students don't know or don't really think about is that the average student takes about 20 years to pay off their student debt. And so what happens is, you know, students graduate college, they're very excited about the opportunities, and then that first student loan bill comes. And, you know, a lot of students are delaying milestones that normally would be happening at a younger age. So instead of moving out of their parents' homes when they graduate, many of them move back home to be able to afford those payments. They may delay buying a car or buying a better car. They may delay getting married. They may delay having children. They may delay saving for their kids' education. And they also may delay saving for their retirement. So these are um, really big issues that parents need to talk about with their children before they consider taking out those loans. And, you know, kids should really exhaust free sources of funds for college rather than starting with loans, if at all possible. Wow. That's a really, really good point that you brought up just how, you know, student loans can literally delay your student's life. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, the landscape has changed so much from when you were in school to when I was in school, you know, so it's just, it's ever changing at this point. So you really have to kind of, like you said, be as candid um, and clear as possible as to what you have to work with. But the the problem that um, I worry about is when you say, you know, going to those free sources first, you know, is the waiting game. Am I going to have that money? So what would you recommend in that situation? I think the most important thing that kids can do today is to really diversify the sources that they're looking at, right? Make sure you submit the FAFSA and see if you qualify for federal and state grant aid, apply for scholarships and apply for as many as you can, and also, of course, get a job. Um, A job is something that you know for sure you're going to get money from, right? Um, The other sources, there may be a waiting game. You may not get everything you're hoping to get, but at least with a job, you know, okay, this is what I'm bringing in. And, um, you know, if a student works 10 to 15 hours a week during the school year, full time during the summer, they can actually make a fairly decent amount of money, certainly enough money that would cover the cost of what they would have taken out in student loans for that year. Um, So I really encourage students to get a job. I know sometimes parents are thinking, well, you know, I don't want to overburden my child. 
they can handle it. You know, if they need to come <laughs> regular to be able to handle a job, that's okay. It's far better to cut an extracurricular and actually earn some money than it is to focus on extracurriculars to try to get into that dream school. Um, because remember, a lot of times those dream schools are actually really expensive. Right. Um, I also encourage parents and children to consider community college as a starting point. Um, you know, it's such an, in, an inexpensive way to begin college. You know, it's so much less expensive depending on your state. Um, and in many states, it's tuition free. Um, and it's certainly when kids live at home, they don't have the cost of meals and housing. Um, so it's a great way to begin and you can continue to save money for those first two years and apply that towards your education when you transfer to complete your degree. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good point too. I know a lot of people, you know, who started off in community college and then those credits were transferable and it was, they saved a lot of money. They started their lives a lot sooner than some of us who went to uh, four-year schools. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, how do you avoid, unfortunately, the predatory finance services that are out there? You know, there are a lot of organizations and companies that will send emails to students and parents, really encouraging them to take out loans from private sources. Um, there are private student loans that are reputable. Um, you know, of course, again, I always advise against taking out student loans, but if you have to, you want to really focus on reputable sources, um, you know, and you can find those online. Um, avoid ones that are from lesser known companies. Um, I'm not going to name any student loan companies here that are reputable simply because I don't recommend them anyway, uh, but you can definitely tell the difference between okay. what's reputable and not reputable. Yeah. You, you'll see the red flags, right? <laughs> and how do you calculate the right amount of debt so mm -hmm. you don't fall, you know, in the red and your life is not delayed so, or, you know, so you know, you'll be okay even if you want to take on more as well? In terms of the right amount of debt, obviously, if you can avoid any debt, that's the best. If you do need to take on student debt, I highly recommend that students only take out federal student loans and not take out private student loans. And the reason why is that federal student loans have really flexible repayment plans that can really help you when you're just starting out, you know, especially, for example, the new SAVE plan that the Biden administration has introduced is really going to be helping students that currently have debt uh, because it limits the amount of their payments to no more than 5% of their discretionary income. Um, so this is a great option for students that are interested in keeping payments low when they graduate. Uh, but there are a whole assortment of payment options that are available if they are federal student loans. With private student loans, you don't have all of those options. Um, so it's a little scarier when you have private debt uh, because they can go after you a little bit more aggressively and make your life very difficult. Yeah, I've had some friends that have, oh, unfortunately, they went out on their own and took out some private student loans and they ended up in some <laughs> deep waters. It took them a while. I think they're still just paying, you know, almost paying them off, but you got to be really careful out there. It's, and, you know, it makes sense that students especially, you know, fall um, victim to this stuff because you're trying to get an education. The amount of money that is tied to education, you know, in this country is extremely high. You know, it's inevitable. Debt is inevitable, but you're, you're talking about really manage. You, you can manage it if you do it in a smart way. Absolutely. You know, the other thing I really encourage students and parents to do is to talk about what they're looking for in an education. Um, and what, what you're looking for should not begin with reputation of the university. 
right? It should begin with the quality of education you're going to receive in the particular field that interests you. Um, so many students and parents alike uh, get pulled to this idea of, oh, I want to go to this elite school. Um, it makes me look good. You know, employers will like me more if I graduate from this school. My friends are going to be trying to go to these kinds of schools. Um, try to avoid those kinds of conversations and talk about the most affordable way to achieve the degree that you need to continue on into your career, um, whether that be an associate degree or even a certificate. Some 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 uh, you know, careers don't require a degree. And then also, of course, there are four-year degree programs. But you really want to start with figuring out what's the most affordable path and going that direction, you know, to avoid taking on that debt. And especially for students that have careers that might not offer as much income later on. You know, if you're pursuing a degree in engineering, for example, you're going to probably have a high paying career. Um, but if you are pursuing a career in the creative arts, that may not be the same for you. And, um, you know, you get students that want to be theater majors or that want to be art majors. And sometimes they're going to private institutions that focus on the arts. And what can happen is they can end up, you know, paying 50000 a year for their education for these private schools. Then they graduate and maybe you're an artist and you start out freelancing, making meager earnings for your first few years or you're a theater major and you're trying to break into Hollywood or New York, you know, get on Broadway, it can take a long time sometimes to pursue that type of career. So I really encourage students that are really, that they look at what their future potential earnings could be, whether they're successful or perhaps less successful in a career and determine what that, you know, how much they want to pay towards an education towards that field and make sure that it makes sense. Wow. That's great advice. And um, I did have another question for you regarding public universities and private universities. Is there any room for negotiating when you know you're going, you're you're trying to figure out which one to go to when you have both of those? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realize that if you are applying to a private school or perhaps an out-of-state school, that there can be room to negotiate your financial aid package. That's not typically as available from public universities, but for private or out-of-state, you have a greater chance of negotiating. And so, you know, let's say there's a school you really want to go to, you get their financial aid offer, and it's disappointing. Uh, you can actually contact that school and say, hey, you know, I'd really like to go here. This is my first choice school. But when I'm looking at the cost, you know, and comparing it to other financial aid offers I've received from other schools, the out-of-pocket costs are just really high here. Is there anything you can do for me? Are there any scholarships I could qualify for? And what will happen is sometimes those colleges will come back to you and say, hey, we found this other scholarship that we'd like to offer you. Um, because private schools have large endowments, um, they really use scholarships as a recruitment tactic. And, um, you know, while it sounds beautiful and exciting to say, oh, my gosh, I got 20000 a year as a scholarship, which is the kind of, you know, the size of scholarship that many private institutions will offer if they're out of if their uh, retail price, let's say, is 60000 a year and you got a 20000 a year scholarship, that still leaves $40,000 to cover, which is likely higher than an in-state university. So, you know, you need to really look at those tactics and say, well, you know, if they offered me that much, maybe they can offer me just a bit more so that it can actually be lower than the cost of a public in-state university. Um, so these are things that students and parents can talk about and strategize about, um, you know, before cons just considering accepting an offer when you might be able to get a better offer. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's never hurts to ask, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
That's great. And, um, you know, just kind of wrapping up, uh, what kind of advice right now do you have for parents who are feeling very overwhelmed and stressed and maybe those who have little ones right now and they're just, you know, oh, if, you know, college is at this price right now in another 10, 15 years, oh my gosh, where are we going to be? You know, the best advice I can give, first of all, is to talk to a financial advisor who can help you plan for your child's future education. Um, You know, they can advise you how much you should start saving. And of course, the earlier you start saving, the better for your child. And um, that could be a 529 account or other ways of saving for your child's future. So, you know, go ahead and talk to a financial advisor and get some tips on that. Um, But also try not to stress And remember that there are ways for your child to get a more affordable education. Um, Starting at a community college or even finishing at a community college can be a great way to go. Also, not all careers require college per se. Many times, you know, you can consider apprenticeships and trade schools and things like that for careers that might not require a traditional degree. Um, You know, apprenticeships are a great way to go um, for students that are skilled and interested in hands-on careers. Um, you know, where you sort of learn by doing. Um, So that's another great way to go. And I did have one more question that popped up, Um, you know, in the headlines over the past years, you know, you see all the, uh, the Hollywood stars utilizing these resources of, you know, um, headhunters essentially, right. Or people trying to help them and make their application look more attractive for schools. Um, some legally done, some not so legally done. Uh, but you know, are those resources necessary to be hiring tutors and trying to, you know, outsource in a way, or is that something that you think can be done within your own home, um, just with a little bit of research and resources like you were suggesting? You know, that's really a great question. There are independent advisors out there um, that have a career where they actually advise students and families about applying to college. Um, They help them find scholarships. They might help them with their college application essays, Um, you know, but usually it's more affluent families that are able to afford that. And these are also the same families that are better able to afford college. So for a lot of families where, you know, where getting something like that is not possible for them, it does kind of feel like, wow, it's really unfair. Um, but what I will say is that Scholarship Owl, uh, where I work, um, I do webinars about different educational topics that students and parents can attend for free. Um, they can get free assistance if they, you know, have questions, um, you know, so we're one source where we can give a lot of information. We have an online community on Discord where students and parents can join and get questions answered. Um, so, you know, we're just one source of probably many. Um, but also if parents themselves can become active and really motivated in helping their child plan for college, it is something you can do entirely at home. Um, you know, that's kind of how I began my career doing this is with my own kids and helping my children's friends. Um, so it is possible to educate yourself and help your child navigate their path to college without the uh, outside cost that a lot of families do take on. Wow. So you are the friend's mom that everyone wishes they have in their lives. <laughs> There's usually one in every group, right? <laughs> yes. And how old are your kids now? I have a son who is 30 and a daughter who is 24, and they both graduated college from an in-state public university um, that was one of the more affordable universities in California. Um, And, you know, I gave them the same advice that I'm giving right here. 
Um, you know, even though they may have been able to attend more expensive universities, I really wanted them to focus on a more affordable path. And I think that that is almost like a little bit of a myth. And I know you were touching on this a little earlier that you don't have to go to the big fancy school, you know, with the thousands and thousands of dollars, more of tuition, you can get a great education and make the most of it with where you are. And it's really what you choose to do outside of that school that, right, that lands you in a successful job and really can move you up in the world. Absolutely. You know, one of the most important things that I told my kids and that I tell the other kids that I work with is when you go to college, it's not just about the classes you're going to attend. It's not just about the degree you'll receive in the end. It is about the connections you make. And it's also about the internships and volunteer opportunities, as well as paid opportunities you take on while you're in school. Uh, Because when you graduate, you want your resume to already have experience on it that relates to your field. You don't want to just be working in retail stores you know, unless obviously if you're getting a degree in retail merchandising or something like that, you really want to get um, the kinds of jobs that will be appealing to employers. Mm -hmm. So you want to make connections with your professor, visit during office hours, get to know them. They're the ones that are going to recommend you for jobs and recommend you for internships or recommend you for grad school. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to make connections with local organizations in your community. You want to volunteer so that you can have all of these experiences on your resume when you graduate. Um, I also talked to them about creating LinkedIn for themselves, you know, while they're still seniors in high school and then adding to it and enhancing it as they get older um, and keeping that as their sort of online uh, career opportunity resume. So LinkedIn is still very relevant and very, very uh, uh, important to have, it seems. LinkedIn is really important. Um, You know, when you apply for a job, usually the first thing that an employer is going to do if they have any interest at all in you is they will check you out on LinkedIn or they'll Google your name. And typically your LinkedIn profile is going to come up near the top of the Google search results if you have a LinkedIn profile in your name. Um, It's really important. Um, Students need to assume that someone will have already checked them out on LinkedIn before they make that call. And sometimes actually um, the uh, employer might actually be checking their name out on TikTok and Instagram as well. Um, So students should be careful and thoughtful about what they're posting on their social media. That is a good word of caution, especially in this day and age. (laughs) Oh, this is such wonderful information. Jennifer, you are such a wealth of knowledge on this topic, and I'm sure so many families are going to benefit from this. So we appreciate you passing along this great advice. Thank you so much for having me. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to Mommyhood Unscripted and share it with your friends too. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Roku, and everywhere else you get your podcast. I'm Nicole Nalepa. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, Mama, you're doing great.